Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Um, as we begin a brand new series, we always invite you with the opportunity, if you'd like to help us share God's Word with people, go ahead and share uh, the service on Facebook right now. Um, also, just want to announce Growth Track um, is happening this Wednesday on Zoom. We find Zoom has been very convenient just because people find it hard with families to get out during the week. So actually, this week, we all have already got about uh, eight, nine people signed up to Growth Track, uh, which is very encouraging. So if you want to be involved in that, if you want to be involved in our church, you want to call this place home, even you just want to find out a little bit more about what's going on, uh, I want to go ahead and invite you. Uh, to that, let me know, let some of the leaders know, and we'll give you the link. And uh, it'll only be about an hour or so. And any questions, anything like that, that's your place. So look forward to Growth Track. Uh, did everyone enjoy uh, Pastor Paul last week? All right, four people. Um, I thought Pastor Paul was phenomenal. He also really brought a, a word to our church of, of where we're at and, and essentially what he senses. Uh, or where he senses we're going, and I have to say, I agree. I feel like as a church, we've been going for a few years, or a year and a half as normal, a year and a half during COVID, and I really sense we are at a stage of, of transitioning from gathering, just gathering people, to now kind of starting to form and, and, and disciple and to raise leaders up. So that's where we're at. That's what the moves we're about to start making. Uh, to just bring that to a different place, to a new level. So excited about that. Be praying for us as we do that and, uh, and all that good stuff. Well, we're about to go into um, a new message series called Authority. And as I've said that word authority, some of you have cringed because you hate authority. And if we're all honest, we all struggle a little bit with authority because often what authority looks like to us is somebody telling you what to do. And I know none of you as kids ever struggle with authority as in your parents. I know none of you ever stuck your tongue out at authority before because you just didn't want to do what you needed to do. I know, obviously, I've never struggled with authority uh, and never been disobedient to my parents, but just don't ask my parents afterwards if that's true or not. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about an umbrella. Uh, and how we ha have to ask the question, am I under the umbrella? Because, you know, if, what is an umbrella? An umbrella is, is a protective mechanism that we get underneath. Because when we get underneath the umbrella, it protects us from the elements, from rain, from wrecking your hairdo, fr from ha not... Ha preventing you from going back to get changed again or dried off. It, 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 it's a protection mechanism from the elements. And so we're going to talk today about the umbrella and the question I have for you and the message I have in regards to authority is, are you under the umbrella? Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you for your presence. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your authority. 
God, I just pray, Father, you would help us to see what it looks like to be under the umbrella. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about a man called, our king called Saul. And Saul was a king. He was a leader, but he had a struggle with an umbrella. And it was a typical struggle that we might face or maybe continue to face of should I go under it or should I do things my own way? And one thing I realized was that in, in these scenarios that we go through, sometimes we face temptation. But we know that God is not a God that tempts us, but he, he does test us. And what really Saul faced and where he maybe just, he, he, he fell into a place of dishonor was in the test. And it, God was not tempting him, but he was tempted. And he failed the test. God tests us, but he doesn't tempt us. A little bit about Saul. Saul was the anointed king at one point. He was about six foot eight inches tall, so basically Alan Murphy. <laughs> the average height of a male, a male Hebrew was about five foot six. So he already stood out. It was nearly like he was a natural leader in some ways as well. But, but he fell in dishonor. He made some decisions along the way. He had a long reign, but there was a moment in time where he fell into maybe a place of comfort, but a place that brought him to a place of dishonor. And so what, what happened here was uh, Saul was king. He was calling the shots because that's his job. He found himself at this place called Michmash. And, and what, happened, what was happening was the enemy, the Philistines, were on the way. And, and so what, what would happen and what he knew and understood what he was supposed to do and the way God had ordained and, and created things in that, in that era was, was that he would have to make a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, before he went to war. And that was God's way of declaring his blessing and his anointing upon the situation. But, but if you can understand, the Philistines are on the way and Samuel, who was the high priest, who was the person who was um, um, set apart for the, the ceremony of, of sacrifice, was on the way also. So he has, he, he has this, this, this situation that's about to come together, and there's a countdown clock on. And Samuel has told him, the high priest, that I will come in seven days, and I will be there to, to sacrifice before you go to war. Why? Because we want God's blessing. Because if we don't have God's blessing, we don't have God's covering. And we're not under His authority any longer. We've chose to go our own way. So what had happened was, the Bible talks about in, in 1 Samuel that um, it's day five. And by day five, they see the Philistines, they know they're on the way, and people are beginning to get nervous as they would. The armies are starting to freak out, like, why are we not getting ready? Why are we not getting ahead of this game? Why are we not getting uh, prepared ahead of the Philistines? It looks like we're late. It looks like we're going to fail. It looks like with our eyes, we see defeat. And so people are starting to grumble and complain, and day six comes, and Samuel, where are you? <laughs> Hurry up. Maybe the situation is in your life, and you felt the same way. Where are you? Provision, where are you? Finances, where are you? Perfect person for, to complete me, where are you? That doesn't exist, by the way. 
Job, new job, new better boss, where are you? New improved wife, where are you? Lord, speak to my wife, speak to my husband, hurry up, where are you, Lord? Stay six. It's about to go down. And so what ends up happening, I'm going to read it out here. In 1 Samuel 13, we're going to pick up here in verse 11, it says, so, so, so Saul went ahead and decided, right, Samuel's not coming. Day seven has arrived. He's not coming. And he decided to go ahead and make the sacrifice himself. He wasn't ordained for it. He wasn't a high priest. It wasn't his role. But he says, I'm going to get this thing done so we can get to war and finish the job. Now, now watch this. Just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived on the scene. It's funny how it in those moments where we make those bad decisions because of impatience and all those different things, it's interesting, isn't it, how it's, 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 it's the last 10% that we struggle the most. It's that last 10% of finishing the job correctly that we want to just cut the corner. <laughs> it's that last part of training that we just lose our technique because we're tired and we're fatigued and we're fill, filled with worry. And so what's, this is what Samuel said. said. And Saul went out to greet him. Samuel's words were, what have you done? You idiot. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, what's it? When I saw, everyone say, I saw. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at a set time, and that the Philistines were assembling, assembling at Michmash, I thought, everyone said, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt, say I felt, compelled to offer the burnt offering. Three things. I saw, I thought, I felt. How many of us have made some of the worst decisions of our lives or may even make them because of I saw, I thought, I felt? It felt right. But why did it feel right? You see, sometimes our eyes lie to us. Sometimes what we think might seem right, but it leads to destruction. Sometimes what we feel is not the final say, certainly not God's way. See, if we're going to live under God's favor, under God's power, under God's strength, we have to learn to come under the umbrella because when we're under the umbrella, we're under God's protection, under God's favor. Actually, a, guy, a pastor, Ed Young, said this. When we're, when we're outside the umbrella, we're pelted by problems, we're hammered from hell, and we're drenched in dysfunction and depravity. When we're not covered under God's authority. 
See, it's interesting. I, I know what Saul thought because I probably thought the same way myself. He was probably thinking, right, right, this is not working out. I, I need to step up. <laughs> this isn't going the way it should go because I know the way it should go. And so I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm a problem solver. If you're a, a natural leader, this is how you think. I'm going to fix the problem. God's a wee bit late on his timing. His Casio, the battery's probably out. <laughs> you know, he hasn't charged his Apple Watch last night, and he's late to the occasion. It's just a human error. You know, Samuel's not here. I'll just fix it. God's going to understand. It's interesting that, isn't it? it? That sounds a little bit just like Satan. It says here, this is, this is speaking on Satan's behalf, and it is Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 15. This is Satan. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Remember, Satan, Lucifer, used to be under God's authority. He was a worshiper. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of death, to the depths of the pit. I saw, I thought, and I felt. It seemed right. seemed like the right thing to do. Interesting, another scenario we see in Adam and Eve. What happened with Adam and Eve? Oh, I thought the apple looked nice over there. <laughs> I thought it would be a good thing to eat of this beautiful tree. It felt like it would taste nice at the time. But the big picture, they ended up vulnerable lost and scared. But it seemed right. But they were out from under the protection of God, and they were pelted by problems. See, when we get under those things God has put over us, God has called us to come under those things that God has put over us so we can get over those things God has put beneath us. You see, when, G when Jesus died, rose again, and paid for all of sin, it's it. the Bible talks about how he crushed the serpent's head, and it was under his foot and his feet. Because God has designed us and called us to have authority over sin. He has called us and designed us not to come under the curse of sin, but to put it under our feet. But that authority can only come from God through Jesus. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and so the question is, when I talk about the word authority, what does it look like in your workplace? Ah, oh, well, Phil, my boss, you know, my boss is... He's not a believer, first off. He's not a believer. He's like, dysfunctional. Or the, what is it like with teachers? 
Or, or what is it like in your family? You know, the Bible actually says that we should honor our father and our mother. It didn't say if they're good at their job <laughs> or if they love well. It doesn't mention that whatsoever because it's not in the equation. And it gives a promise to a good life, a full life, come alive in the name of Jesus, that kind of life. So, so what, this is confusing, how, how do we come under that, how do we honor that kind of authority? Well, we have some examples in the Scripture. And so what happened with, let's look at the picture of, of Saul. So Saul stalled on God and on Samuel, and so what then happened was God replaced Saul with a new king because he dishonored his authority. He, he took, basically all he'd done was he took the umbrella off and he was no longer protected. He was no longer fit to be king. He was no longer fit to lead the troops with favor, with his anointing. At one point, he had it, and then he lost it. And so, one thing I realized is that there's always a substitute. God is not stuck for a plan. In God's sovereignty, he knows the start to the end, the beginning, until the end of the race. And so here we have a situation where Saul was once king. He was anointed. He was powerful. He, he, he seen success because he had the authority of God as his covering. And so God decided, right, we're changing it up. He, he's lost his power. He's lost his anointing. And so if some of you know the story, this young boy called David was then anointed king. Samuel prophesied over him, spoke over him, and anointed him with oil that he would become the next king. But it, there was a journey to becoming king. And during that journey, David actually served Saul. And what actually happened in this situation is that Saul started to see the favor on David's life. People started to gossip and talk about how good David was. They said, if, if, if Saul can put a thousand to flight, David can put 10,000 to flight, meaning he was a stronger, more powerful person and leader. And Saul began to hear. And so what, some of you might know that so, that David used to actually play a few tunes. It's not on. Go on, William, give me some, give me some music. No? All right. All right. Guitar? I guess, I guess this is more like a harp, really, isn't it? So he's playing these beautiful songs like this. Come on, give us a cut. Oh, Saul, you're so good. You used to be under the umbrella. This time is gone, gone. Okay, we're done. <laughs> waiting for the call and worship, come on. So, so he used to play, he used to play the harp to Saul to, to, to actually to deal with his anxiety, to, to, to rest his soul, and, and he used to serve this king, but all of a sudden, there was one day came along 
where Saul decided he was so jealous, so bitter, that he wanted to control the situation. You see, sin leads you further than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, keeps you longer than you want to stay. The anointing had left him, and it was a downward hill. And he picked up a spear one day and threw, catch, and he threw it at David. And so as, as you know, if your employer at work throws a spear at you, it's probably time to leave. Little tip, take a note. If there's spears coming at you, he probably doesn't like you anymore, and you're probably, it's probably not a good employment for you to stay in. And so David had to then flee. And we have this scenario, it's nearly as if Saul is trying to hold on to leadership, but his time is up. And David is anointed. But, but David has learned some lessons. The Bible says he, he, he made some mistakes, but he, he learned some lessons of honor. He, he knew what it was to come under authority, not because he liked his boss or who was over him, but because it honored God. And so we're going to pick up in the story that David has fled. Saul is now on, on the manhunt after David because he realizes this guy... If I don't get rid of him, he's going to take over the kingdom just because the people love him that much despite decisions being made. And he's after, he's actually sent people out to the desert to find him. It's that bad. He's so jealous. And it says in verse 24, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, meaning once he dealt with this enemy, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel, like this is serious. He put people's lives on the line, line and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came up, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. That means he went to the toilet. David and his men were far back in the cave. How, how interesting is that? They're back in this cave hiding out and he chose to come into the same cave. So, so, so Saul's, you know, over here. Yeah? That's what happened. And, and they realize, oh my word, this is your moment. This is your chance to take him out. D David's boys are saying, get him. If you remove him and you remove his, his, his power, you're king. But watch what happens. Fast forward to verse 10. It says, This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord has delivered you into my hands in the cave. So what happened was David actually went and, and cut some of his garment off to prove that he could have killed him. He sneaked up. And this is what he says. Someone, some urged me to kill you but I spurred you, I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord, on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. He is the Lord's anointed. He had a chance. With his thoughts, he could have justified why he should have killed him because he threw a spear. With what he's seen, it was a brilliant opportunity. With what he felt, he could have easily allowed his heart to get better and to grow in bitterness and then do the deed. But, but I believe David understood something about the covering 
of God's anointed. He realized even though Saul had become a terrible boss, even a threat unto him, he realized that, that coming under God's authority wasn't about the other person. It wasn't about Saul's performance. It isn't about your parents' performance. It isn't about your boss's performance. It isn't about things outside of yourself. It's about you. And watch this. If David had decided, I'm going to take this situation into my own hands, you know what would have happened? David would have became Saul. He would have inherited a curse, a generational curse. You see, what had happened at the end of Saul's life he was under the covering of God for a season, but he came out from under it, and it had brought on fear and dysfunctionality in his heart. And fear causes us to want to control and manipulate. And that's what he was doing with David, really the next in line. And because he'd done that to David, David was then tempted to do it back. And if David had have given in to temptation and not understand, not understood what spiritual authority looks like and how to come under, he would have killed Saul. Why? Because he could have controlled it. He could have controlled the situation for a while. But you see what happens with David when he controls it, he, in his leadership, he also tries to control it instead of laying it down before God. You see, every time... You, in the Old Testament, you would lay down a sacrifice. You were laying down your pride. You were laying down your sin. You were saying, God, I need your help. In the same way we come to church, in the same way we go out and live as we are, we, if we lay down every day our lives before God, we start with a bowed knee of humility. We start saying, God, I need the gospel not just once a week, not just once in a lifetime. I need it every day. I was talking to a friend during the week, and he, he shared that with me. It was actually Ryan. I'm going to call you out. And I, 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 that stuck with me. He was like, Phil, I don't just need the gospel once a lifetime, just a one-off decision. I need it every morning. I need to be reminded that Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven so that I could be free today and the next day, and the day after. Shame, pride, control, manipulation is, is, is in my ear every day, all day, telling me to control it, telling me to dishonor those above me, telling me to... But when I remember who's really in control, it wasn't David versus Saul. It was David versus David. It wasn't Saul versus David. It was Saul versus Saul. It's not you versus your boss, your parents, your job, your situation. It's you versus you. And the question is, are you under the umbrella? Because if you're not under the umbrella, I can give you some promises that come with that. You'll be pelted by problems. You'll be drenched in dysfunction. You'll be hounded by hurt. And you'll not be covered. And you'll not be protected. 
So what does it look like the way you're living right now? Is it in line with God's ways? You might say, no, it, it isn't filled right now. Well, well let's, let's bring it into line. Let, let's bring it into God's way. Let's repent and say, right, I'm going to stop doing things because of what I see and what I feel and what I think. I'm going to surrender those things to somebody who's much wiser than me, who's been there for generation to generation. You see, these lessons that we see in the Bible are not supposed to be ones that we have to go and repeat. These lessons are ones which we are supposed to learn from and stand on the shoulders of David. Listen, David was not perfect. He made mistakes. But we don't ha- what I realized as, as a young man was I don't have enough time on this earth to learn every mistake. I don't have to keep, I might have to start taking some advice from some people and some situations that I haven't been in. And so I wonder, as we finish up, I wonder, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? I wonder if you can ask the question, God, where am I not under the umbrella? Is it in my relationships? Is it at work? How do you treat your boss? Is it with honor? Are you a thermostat for change? A change in atmosphere? I'll give you a a little example. I was at a wedding this week, and very powerful, just some of the things we started to see. We've seen come out of that. It was a couple, Dale and Carl got married, and and it was very encouraging that, that one of the, the fathers, one of the fathers involved in the wedding came away and says, I don't know what's going on at your church. I don't, not, not so much into any of that kind of stuff at the minute. But he said, since this person has been going to church, they've changed. They felt more honor. As a parent, they felt more, they felt less bitterness. They, there was a shift in the relationship because God had intervened. And, and it, it, it looked and sounded like to me that somebody in the situation had come under the umbrella. And because they had come under the umbrella, the atmosphere in, in families, the atmosphere in relationships is beginning to shift dysfunction is beginning to leave. God's power is beginning to be present. His anointing is coming on a situation. It's beginning to glue a situation back together that was once apart. That's good news. Just go ahead and stand. We're going we're gonna to respond. And the question I just have for you is that um, am I under the umbrella, or if there's an area of my life that I'm not, ask yourself the question, am I experiencing, am I pelted with problems? I'm not saying you're going to live a life with no problems, but I'm, I'm saying are there unnecessarily, unnecessary problems? See, the Philistines were a problem, but God had given a way out. God had given whatever was needed to overcome the enemy. God has provided for you, but he maybe has no access to your life because the umbrella is on the floor. 
Where are there areas in your life that maybe the umbrella isn't up? Are you facing dysfunction? Is the umbrella up? Or maybe in here today, you're saying, Phil, I need to come on to the authority, the lordship of Christ. I'm ready to make a decision online or in person. And I, and I need to surrender to Jesus every day. But today is my first. So if every head bowed and I closed, I'm going to say a prayer. Church, if we can say this together out loud and help those people say this along. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus who died and rose again for all of my sins. I surrender today. I give you my life. I come under your authority, your umbrella, and I walk with you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you said that for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to invite you just to go ahead and raise your hand right this moment. I want to pray with you and celebrate with you. If you're online, let somebody know online. Go ahead and raise your hand. God, I just pray and thank you for each and every person in this room. God, I pray you, you would open our eyes to where we have neglected your lordship. God, I thank you that you have given us your umbrella your authority, not to hurt us, but to protect us from the schemes of the evil one, from the curses that is brought upon us when we try to live our own way. God, I thank you for promises of new life. I thank you for promises and chains being broken. God, I pray for chains to be broken right now in families. God, people who struggle to find jobs, I pray for the curse to be broken. God, that we would receive your promise that we come under your way and your authority, we would realign again, and we would see great days ahead. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's worship. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life, and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.